This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving mean, stop, Seager. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad, and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Yes, Mariners pod is back. Thanks for being here. What a game last night. Mariners beat the Boston Red Sox. James Paxton, the story, he was absolutely sensational. We're going to go all through the highlights here in a moment, get plenty of reaction from the game. It's going to be a fun podcast. Well, I guess whenever you talk about a game like that, it makes it pretty easy to have fun. And it was certainly was fun at the ballpark last night. We have a conversation coming up in a few minutes that I have been wanting to have all season long and finally getting to it. it involves James Paxson a little bit. We touch on James Paxson. It was recorded before the game last night, but everything still applies. We're talking barrels with Casey Bogoslaw, who's been on before, robaseball.com. Uh, great follow on Twitter, too. All that info is coming your way. But uh, it's a very interesting way to look at hitting and pitching. So barrels is the conversation that is coming up. It'll all make sense here in a few minutes when he comes on. Let's get to the game, though. 4 nothing. Mariners beat the Boston Red Sox. I, everything was there. Pitching, defense, Mariners score early. Bullpen closes it down. A lot of good happened in this ball game but Paxton was a story man he was just on his game early just setting him up and knocking him down the 0-2 pitch of the way and a swing and a foul tip into the glove of Mike Zunino for strike three Paxton striking out Dustin Pedroia and that is strikeout number five for Big Maple James Paxton takes care of the Red Sox again one two three here in the top of the fourth 12 in a row set down by the lefty from Lander. What a night for Paxton. Yeah, knocking him down and just rolling up the Ks. The pause of the Paxton 2-2. Swing and a miss for strike three. Another slider and once again even further outside. Benintendi going deep sea fishing inside the other batter's box. That is eight strikeouts for James Paxton. Yeah, deep sea fishing but not catching anything. Nothing. Paxton fires home. Swing and a miss for strike three. The slider buried it on Pedroia. He has no chance. Nine strikeouts tying a season best for James Paxton over only six scoreless innings against the Red Sox. And he would make it number 10 in double figures, tying a career high. Paxton's 1-2. Curveball is a strike three called second time. Chris Young has been caught admiring the hook from James Paxton tonight. 
as Paxton has now tied a career best 10 strikeouts tonight against the Red Sox. And he just dominated a very good lineup. Seven innings of four hit ball, no runs, no walks, and 10 strikeouts on 103 pitches. Dominant. A couple times the Red Sox were able to put some runners on, but each and every time danced out of any issues at all. He was sensational in this one. Here's what Paxton said after the ball game about this start and the atmosphere around the start. Yeah, you know, my arm just felt really good today. Had the big fastball, and it was just coming out easy today. The, I wasn't, you know, thinking about going out there and throwing 98-99. It was just, it was, that was what was coming out today. But you have talked about wanting to ramp it up earlier in games. Mm-hmm. The secret to that is not thinking about ramping it up in games. Right, you know, there's going to be days when I'm throwing that hard. There's going to be days when I'm more, you know, 95, 96 early, and then as my intensity and kind of adrenaline goes up, I'll find that in, uh, those extra miles per hour later in the game. How did you quiet that in the seventh inning with two runners on? Just making one pitch at a time. You know, Z did a great job back there, and Segura made a great play um, going back and turning that double play with Robbie. It was uh, it was really good defense right there. Do you feel like you ratcheted up mentally in the seventh and eighth, when you, or sixth and seventh, when you can smell kind of like the end? Of yeah, you know, I know that I know where my pitch counts at, and uh, I know it's a big part of the game to get out, get through those innings, and keep us in the lead. And um, you know, just the the adrenaline gets going, and you just let it rip. Your pitch count was up, but did you try to talk your way back out for another inning? Um, you know, I think where the game was and where we are in the season, um, they felt pretty good about you know our bullpen. Our bullpen's been fantastic, you know. So, you know, if it was a one nothing or two nothing game, I might have stayed in there for the eighth. As good as you felt since early in the season, basketball Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know it's getting better and better. My arm uh, feels really good right now, um, healthy, and uh, the mechanics are feeling good also. You see the tree in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's uh, that's pretty cool. And those guys, I could hear them screaming "a a" when I uh, had guys with two strikes. That was that was pretty fun. Could you have imagined you would have that? No, no, and it was really cool that they, you know, came up with it on their own, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, great having the support out there. And I think we have our podcast title, A, A, A. (laughs) That is so great. Ten A's for James Paxton last night. Outstanding. And the Mariners, six hits in the ball game, but they made the most out of them. Here's the pitch, swung on, fly ball, straightaway center field off the bat of Seager. Going back, Bradley looking up, reaching up, leaping up. Goodbye baseball. Kyle Seager with a home run to straightaway center field. Holy smokes. Number 14 for Seager, and the Mariners are on the board. First, they lead Boston one to nothing. Kyle Seager right back up the middle. It sailed high over the top of that 401 marker. One nothing Mariners. Big inning for the M's. They get the run uh, right there. They take the lead, and they kept on adding on in the second. Here's the stretch and the 3-1 pitch. Swung on line drive into the gap in right center field. That's going to get down extra bases. Ronnie second, heading for third. His ready being waved in by Maniacta. Heading home. The relay to the plate, not in time. Head first slide, Heredia scores, and it's second with an RBI double, Gene Segura. And the Mariners now lead Boston 3 to nothing. 3 nothing, a three spot in the second. Played a little add-on later in the ballgame in the fourth. 
Valencia with a swing and a drive deep to right field. Betts going back to the one-e track. Can't get there. It's off the base of the wall. Gamble rounding third. He'll score. Segura third will be stopped there. Valencia in at second with an RBI double. The throw-in cut off by Pedroia. The relay to the plate. And the Mariners have a 4-0 lead. Danny Valencia skies one over the head of right fielder Mookie Betts to the base of the wall. Scoring Gamble. And the Mariners have another run in. They lead it 4 to nothing. Bullpen comes on. Vincent put his 0.00 home ERA on the line, and he maintains his 0.00 home ERA. He pitches a clean eighth. Phelps comes on his second outing as a Mariner, and he closes it down in game one of the series. Here's the windup and the one-two to Ramirez. It is strike three called, and the ball game is over. The Mariners shut out the Boston Red Sox tonight. A final score of four to nothing. James Paxton, seven scoreless innings for his tenth win of the year. Beautiful. Mariners get the win in Game One of this series over the Boston Red Sox. Here's Scott Service. Uh, outstanding. Uh, heck of an effort by Pax tonight. He is on a nice roll right now, and, and uh, we're the beneficiary of it. Uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, getting all of his pitches over the, the stuff was. Electric tonight. I guess it's the best word to throw out there with it. I had all of it working, really good cutters at times, you know, dominating fastball. He struck out 10, 10 guys tonight against a team that just doesn't strike out. I think they lead the league in the least amount of strikeouts. Um, you know, they are a contact team. They take a lot of pitches. They know the strikes don't control it very well, and he just dominated it and went right after it. He won the he owned the line of scrimmage tonight. You know, we talk about that being the strike zone, and it was fun to watch. Uh, you know, offensively, obviously, you know, Sieg gets us going with the home run. Uh, if it's true or not, he said it's the first home run he's ever hit the dead center field here. And uh, he's had a lot of home runs here, but he doesn't need to go out to center. So uh, he was fired up about that. And, you know, uh, Ben Gamble keeps doing what Ben Gamble does. You know, since a hit or two every night, and, you know, really good base running. I thought he did a nice job, you know, getting down the line. Good read on the ball off the bat, ready to score on the fielder's choice, the ground ball to first base. And then, uh, you know, Segura with the big double after that, and Danny and the other guys chipped in. I think. We had some balls really good tonight. We probably should have had more hits than we, we did. I thought our, our bats were, were much better tonight. And we saw Gene Segura kind of get back to controlling the strike zone, too. It's a little bit easier when they're in that box or close to it. So uh, uh, nice effort, uh, nice ball game uh, by our club. And, you know, hopefully we can continue tomorrow, get on our back on a roll here at home. He did. I think it's, it sounded like a broken record. I think uh, he really smells the finish line. And I think that's the best way to eat. Like he can see it, and he just he just turns it up a little bit. He knows what's at stake there. It's the seventh inning. It's four nothing, but you know the game's still on edge a little bit. Uh, they got you know they do have a good offensive club, and uh, getting the strikeout and then you know working getting the double play ball was huge. Great way to end the night for him. It's the same form you saw the first month and a half. Uh, tonight probably was as good as I've seen him all year long. It uh, really was with the, the, the quality uh, of his pitches um, and having all four of them working. Um, and tonight it was, it was with the cutter to put him away. So, um, you know, like I said, he's on a great roll right now. And you know, I think it's five wins in the month of July. He's got a chance to get one more. It's hard to win six games in a month. I don't know if it's ever been done by a Mariner before, but hopefully we'll see it. Two pitches. The, the curve, though, he seems to be using as well. Drop in there. Yeah, the, the curve more early in the count tonight. You saw more cutters late for the strikeout. Um, and that's just how it you know, worked out tonight with their club. And I thought Zeno did a really good job behind the plate, too. Uh, it's something we've talked about a little bit you know, recently on uh, kind of his framing and trying to get some more pitches. And he's made a couple adjustments. It's really helped him out. 
very impressive again. Um, you know, I, I love the way he goes about it. He's got that very, uh, you know, intense demeanor. I try to get him to smile once in a while. He doesn't like smiling. But uh, once you get the final three outs and you, you do it like he did tonight, you should. Um, impressive. You know, he's running the cutter to both sides of the plate. Um, and, you know, glad to have him. He's a welcome addition. That wasn't a contact play. Yes, it was a, it was a contact play. Yes, it is contact. But he's, he's down the line. It's a good read off the bat. He's on the, his, his left foot or right foot when he takes off and, and gets a good jump down the line. So, uh, you know, it's not a play we put on often, but there with, with Heredio up, uh, you know, Gamble on base who can run. He, he did a nice job. Danny okay? Danny? Yeah. That was the glove. Okay. Yeah, glove. glove. No, no other equipment, just uh, his glove broke. And, uh, his other one wasn't quite broke in, so we had to you know, kind of run around and find a first baseman's glove, but we got one. So. so there it is. Mariners get the win, 4 nothing over the Red Sox. Now a chance to take the series, and tonight would be a good time to take it because uh, looming in Game 3 of the series is Chris Sale. So no podcast coming up tomorrow with Day Baseball coming. Tonight, Felix Hernandez, Drew Pomerantz will go for the Red Sox. Felix, of course, has been outstanding. His last three, a 1.00 ERA, 22 punch-outs in 18 innings of work for the King. He was in a nice groove against the Yankees. Nine strikeouts, just one earned run allowed in seven innings pitched. He was outstanding. But Drew Pomerantz has pitched well for a long time now. You go back to May 14th. 71 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 2.76 ERA and 72 strikeouts in that time frame. Opponents betting 252 against him and only five home runs during that stretch. So this should be an excellent matchup, Felix against Pomerantz. And then day baseball from Safeco on Wednesday, 1240. Andrew Moore gets the ball against Chris Sale, who has just been absurd this year. For the Boston Red Sox, he is by far and away the front runner for Cy Young Award in the American League. He's having a ridiculous season. The strikeout totals—I mean, you look at him and you think you've got it wrong. You have to double check and triple check. But he's already at 200 strikeouts this year. 200 right now. We're not even to August yet. 200 Ks and 141 and a third innings pitched, which is unbelievable. 2.48 ERA so far this season. He's just been lights out. He's only given up 100 hits in that time frame. His career high 274 punch outs happened a couple years ago with the Chicago White Sox. Man, already at 200. This is fifth straight season of 200 plus strikeouts having an amazing year and that's who the Mariners will deal with on Wednesday but tonight the Mariners a chance to take the series against the Red Sox so the Mariners gained some ground on a couple of teams but they do not gain ground on the Royals so they gain a half game on the Yankees who hold the first wild card 51 and 46 they didn't play yesterday Kansas City won their sixth straight yesterday. They beat Detroit. They're now 51-47. and 47. They're down half game to the Yankees for the first wild card. They hold the second wild card. The Rays have lost five in a row. They're 51-49, and 49, a game back. The Twins, 
They lost. They've lost two in a row. They have the Dodgers again tonight. They're 49 and 49. So Mariners half game back of the Twins, one and a half behind Tampa Bay. The M's 50 and 51, trying to get to 500 with a win tonight as well. They're a half game up on the Angels, a game up on Baltimore and Texas. So that's how the wild card race is looking right now. Can't wait to see you at the ballpark tonight. Well, right now, this is going to be fun. We're going to talk barrels. Well, this is a conversation I've looked forward to for some time. I've wanted to talk barrels all season long, and we're finally going to do it. And what that means? Well, here to tell us, it's Casey Bogoslaw. You can find at Casey Bogoslaw on Twitter. RO Baseball, the place to go. He's the managing editor there. RO Baseball, MLB on Twitter as well. Casey, it's great to chat again. It's been a while. I hope all is well. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gary. Okay, so barrels. What are we talking about when we're talking about barrels? All right, so I do have to give credit to the great folks at MLB Advanced Media for creating this term. I couldn't have thought of a better term myself, but barrels is, well, really basically exactly what it sounds like. It's when a player really gets up to the the plate and hits the ball directly on the barrel. So how do they calculate this with their new StatCast metrics? Well, now that we have exit velocity and launch angle, uh, which basically is just the speed and the angle off the bat, we can calculate the different outcomes on the different combinations of those two. And what the guys over at MLB did was kind of found the perfect outcome of of speed and angle off the bat to, to, to get the, you know, an almost sure hit. So what they went into do so was uh to find the uh, combinations that would lead to at least a 500 batting average and a, a 1.5 a 1500 uh slugging percentage and, and uh you know it's i'm not going to get in the nitty-gritty and the, all the math behind it but uh it's a certain amount of uh batted balls it's about uh about four percent of all plate appearances are barrels so it's an it's a nice good amount um and even to give a little bit more effects there about uh 80% of uh, home runs are barrels, and about 60% of barrels are home runs. So you can look at it either way. Uh, what I really like about the barrel statistic, though, Gary, is that since it is calculated by you know the Statcast camera system that's in all 30 parks now, it's something that you know you're never going to see that that you can cheat the system, I guess. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, you, if you're playing in Coors Field, you know, sometimes we hear about those home runs that just get launched up into the air and carried out in that thin air in Denver. Or let's say the one I like always used to like to point out is uh, at Boston, we all know the pesky pole in right field and at Fenway, you know, it's only like about 310, 310 feet out. And obviously if a, a player hits a home run right around the pesky pole, we can remember those David Ortiz shots. That wouldn't be a home run in pretty much all of the other 29 other parks, but it is a home run in Boston. So it kind of treats everything fairly. Uh, a barrel in, uh, you know, in Safeco is the same as a barrel at Wrigley Field. Uh, so it, it treats everyone on this neutral ground. And uh, I've done a lot of, you know, I I play around with barrels a lot, uh, as you mentioned on robaseball.com. And uh, I like to look at, you know, what players are trending well. I look at it from a batter and a pitcher perspective. In that, 
what pitchers are not allowing barrels. Um, and I think it's a really good way to see how a pitcher is truly doing uh, without any luck, any any stadium factors, any even weather, you know, does not come into play when you're looking at, at barrels. I love the stat. And for people that are interested, I highly recommend they follow you because you do a great job with leaderboards and everything else on a daily basis. So uh, you're the one to follow when it comes to this. And as you explain it, uh, you look at it both ways. You look at it from a pitching perspective. The lower, the better. From the batter perspective, the higher, the better. And it's uh, it's a very descriptive stat in that regard. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and it has been pretty, uh, you know, I've just started playing around with it uh, a lot this year. Like I said, the barrel statistic uh, or the barrel term, I should say, they put into play late last year, August, September, I want to say. So, you know, this year I've really kind of really dove into it and I'm trying to, you know, fully define, you know, the predictive natures of it, how how predictive, you know, how long out do we need to see if a player is hitting a lot of barrels? Is that going to be a predictive value? Same thing with pitchers. If they're not allowing that, uh, should we still expect them to do a lot better moving forward? So I'm playing around with that. But, yeah, like you said, I, I throw out a lot of numbers on my Twitter feed. So, uh, yeah, feel free to, to, to join along in the fun. Have you feel you've learned anything that you weren't aware of following it this closely this season? Yeah, you know, I, I what I really find up, you know, I think is that, uh, you know, what I was doing a lot, you know, of course I play fantasy baseball as well, so I was using those numbers to kind of pick out pitchers that might be their ERAs were a little inflated, but they weren't allowing hard contact, and the, and you really find out, yeah, these pitchers are doing, you know, a lot better than, uh, you know, some of the outcome, you know, maybe their defense is failing them behind them, or like I said, maybe they are running into some bad luck, um, you know, of course Coors does pop out a lot because, you know, the home runs certainly don't have to be barrels there uh one big thing and i, I know this is pretty big for you for you guys neck of the woods in the al west is the houston astros this is one of the most interesting things that i found and i wrote an article back you can look it up on robaseball.com but the houston astros obviously had this amazing offense and they score a ton of runs both home and on the road but when you look at barrels and again you know we're still in the infancy of using the statistic and what it can actually show us but they do not hit barrels at home um, and what could be at play, and I do think maybe that this is that their coaches are telling them that with that short porch, you know, we all know about the Crawford boxes in left field, you kind of just need to hit it in the air and it'll go up. You know, we've seen a bunch of George Springer home runs into those Crawford boxes, and I'm not taking anything away from the player's skill level. There still have to be very, very good to do it, especially if we are seeing a difference of approach from home and the road, but I do think that the Astros could be taking advantage of their home ballpark, and I put a lot of numbers into that article that you know really shows that it could be what they're doing and uh, you know obviously the Astros are going to be the one to take advantage of that playing half their games at their ballpark and uh, you know we're not seeing it as much from the road teams but you wouldn't really expect to because you know a road team is probably not going to change their approach just for you know, a three-game series here and there. Yeah, and the road numbers are pretty incredible. <laughs> so that's not a huge surprise when you you look at what they've done on the road so far. So let's look at the Mariners specifically on offense. I don't think this number would surprise people. Nelson Cruz has the most barrels for the Mariners. Last I saw on your site, 8.3%, which, what, you said the average was 4? So that seems fairly significant. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nelson Cruz is obviously the the Mariner who has the most barrels. Uh, you, you use the percent, which is is something I do like to use. I do use it on a, pl a plate appearance per plate appearance, because uh, I like to know exactly you know what they're doing you know every time they come up to the plate. So when I do 
tweet a lot of stuff about barrels, I do put walk percentage too. So what I like to look at, and I have a weighted metric that I've thrown around on, on my sites uh, that takes in kind of just the, the amount of, uh, you know, league average wise uh, barrels and walks and, and puts, puts it into a little bit of perspective. So that number, obviously this is kind of an arbitrary just announcing it, but it, he, Nelson Cruz is at a 1.18 in this metric, which is very, very good. Uh, you know, it's, it's among the top of the, of the league. Um, and yeah, 8.5% is where he's at right now which is very good i think what most people would probably want to know is uh who's leading it <laughs> and uh i don't think anyone's su too surprised especially after you guys just saw this guy aaron judge has a 12.7 percent <laughs> oh, barrel percent uh and he also has a 17.1 percent walk percentage so that means 30 percent of the time he comes to to bat three out of every 10 times he's either walking because the pitcher is scared to face him or he is hitting a ball you know, like I said, uh, about the top 4% of all batted balls, uh, that, that are happening, uh, per game here. So, uh, he's, he's incredible. Uh, but, but let's go back to the Mariners really quick. Uh, Mariners are pretty much league average as a team. Um, I was putting together some numbers for, for you. They're, they're at, uh, 4.1% um, as a team on the season. So just all plate appearances. Um, the league average is 4.1. So right there. Um, the other guys that are doing very well uh, on the Mariners, Mike Zanino, I don't think anyone would be too shocked by that. He's at 7.1%. Uh, Robinson Cano, 5.8. And Kyle Seeger, 59 uh, The rest of the team, though, is below average. But that's kind of – I don't think I'm – probably uh shattering too many minds here that those are the guys that are that are fully uh supporting the lineup and uh you know some of the other guys you know gene seguro's having a very good offensive year but he's obviously he, he wants to put the ball on the ground a lot he's a you know a little bit more of a slap hitter uses his speed to his advantage uh still having a great year which brings up a point that you don't have to necessarily be hitting barrels to be a great hitter mm -hmm. but i do like to look at that in perspective of you know who's Who's getting the power hitters or who's getting the most power when they're hitting? Um, Gene Segura, you know, might run into some Babic, Babip luck here and there because he's not necessarily hitting the ball as hard as someone like Nelson Cruz. Uh, so that is another thing that does come up when I'm looking at these barrel numbers. Well, you mentioned going back to Aaron Judge for a moment because you, you mentioned his <laughs> walk rate and then you think about a strike rate as a strikeout rate as well. I mean, he is squaring up an absurd amount of the pitches he, he puts in play. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, just looking at balls in play, since he is uh, striking out 30% of the time as well. So uh, that 70% of the rest of the at-bats, I said he's either walking or barreling 30% of that. So, you know, I was throwing a bunch of numbers, but... He's doing something pretty much spectacular, and we'll get you know we can get into what the the you know the this three true outcomes phenomenon that we're seeing in baseball today. We're pretty much, you know, we're at a all time high that every plate appearance is either a walk, a strikeout, or a or a home run, and uh, Aaron Judge is kind of the epitome of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, we've seen a lot of different people put theories in play that you know striking out is not necessarily a bad thing when these players are trying to swing for the fences, and that's what Aaron Judge is in the lineup to do. Uh, he will strike out a lot, but obviously, when he makes contact, he's going to do a lot of damage, and teams are okay with accepting players like that because of you know the 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 possible outcome that is there. You know, we saw Aaron Judge, you know, win at least one game there in Seattle this weekend uh, with his mammoth shot, uh, and. And he was hitting balls all over the place. You know, people were saying he was slumping since the home run derby. But uh, 
I, I, I would say that he, he wasn't showing any slumping in Seattle this weekend. No, no doubt about that. So the other side of things, let's look at the pitchers. James Paxton is very good in this metric. Oh, yeah. James Paxton is one of my favorite pitchers to follow. Uh, you know, coming out of last season when he finished really strong, I was really excited to to look into what he would do this year. And obviously he had the the injury that cost him a little bit of time. And when he came back from that injury, he did struggle a little bit. And it was kind of like, you know, is, you know, wh who is the real James Paxton? But he is putting up great numbers once again. Uh, I'll mention that he pitches. Tonight uh, against Boston, you know, uh, obviously a very formidable lineup. So we'll, we will want to make sure that he is, you know, still in improving. But uh, what I noticed is right after his injury, when he came back, uh, his walk rate was going up a little bit. His strikeout rate was going down a little bit. So that that gap right there was shrinking. But last couple starts, uh, walk rate falling down again and his strikeout rate going way up. But his barrel rate has stayed consistent all season, 1.5%. So I mentioned 4% league average. James Paxton only allows barrels on 1.5%. And another little fact that I wanted to throw in here, he has not allowed a barrel since June 16th. Wow. <laughs> so well over a month, uh, the last uh, six starts, he has not allowed a single barrel. That's incredible. Who are some of the – who's at the top in, in terms of baseball? Who's, who's at the top of the leaderboard when it comes to pitchers? Chris Sale. Uh, Chris Sale is a <laughs> – No surprise. Yeah, I, I, do you guys face Sale this this series? Yes, game three of the series. Oh, so yeah, good luck with that. He yeah. is incredible. Obviously, I, I'm a White Sox fan, so I got to see it. But I think he's taken another, he's jumped to another level, uh, you know, this season with Boston. Um, and the fact that he is on top, you know, so I do. I'll get into this a little bit. So I post a barrel FIP, which is field independent pitching. And instead of using home runs in my calculation, I use barrels because, again, I think barrels are a little bit more of a pure way of calculating what a pitcher has done. So putting those three true outcomes instead of the home run, I use a barrel. But Chris Sale has led this category pretty much all season. And what's incredible about that is that Chris Sale, as we all know, pitches in the American League. So he's facing a designated hitter every Every time out yeah. when, you know, the guys in the National League do get, you know, one ninth of a of the the, the lineup that they're facing kind of as a free out. Um, but the second place, another American League guy, actually, Corey Kluber, um, you know, he had a little bit of time off, but he is back to the minimum. You know, he's qualified starter right now. Um, so he has the minimum innings. Uh, then we will see some National League guys, the Scherzers and the Kershaws and uh you know, so it's the stat doesn't necessarily tell us too much of anything surprising. Uh, not that any pitching stat should really tell us anything surprising, but I do want to mention number five on the list is somebody that uh, another article that I've written that I'm going to keep giving myself a little bit of props here. But uh, Jeff Samarja, uh, Jeff Samarja's had a very interesting season in that he does not really allow hard hit balls. He throws a lot of strikeouts. He walks very few guys, but he has an ERA above five right now. Um, he got crushed two times in Coors in, in two of his starts, and he got crushed once against the Diamondbacks in Arizona. And it's kind of really bloated, that ERA. It wasn't a whole lot of barrels either. Um, so his barrel FIP uh, looks still very, very low. Uh, I really wanted to dive into that article if I was missing something, like that maybe he was really, uh, you know, just had horrible timing on when he was giving up big hits. Uh, Eno Saris from Fangrass put up an article last week as well that I'll recommend that said that he has a really, Jeff Samarja has a really bad time with one strike. So I'm just throwing out uh, facts here. But, you know, obviously with pitching, we, we don't know 
everything about what makes a pitcher click and, and when they're hot and when they're not. Um, you know, there's uh, so many theories about pitch location and, and everything like that. But uh, the stat that I post every day is pretty basic, but I, I like taking a look at it because it, it takes out a lot of the uh, the bad luck that a pitcher can face. Or, you know, if they're the, the other way, if they have a high barrel fit and they have a low ERA, maybe they're having a lot of good luck. No, that's great, and that's uh, I think that's where the stat is most useful because, you know, at the top there's probably not a ton of surprises. At the bottom there's probably not a ton of surprises. But you can use the stat to help identify maybe a guy who's been unlucky or, or lucky, which is obviously helpful. Yep, absolutely. That's that's what uh, I'm hoping that it can help use. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have been doing that with FIP for, for some time now, uh, you know, taking out the fielders, seeing what a pitcher is truly responsible for. I just think, uh, you know, my tweak does a, you know, a little bit more with it. So, uh, you know, and I hope that people out there do enjoy it. Uh, and I know that it's a, it's pretty big in the fantasy world. I get a lot of DFS people, daily fantasy people contacting me every day. To, you know, wh- where's your where's your numbers? We need it. <laughs> Nice. Well, Casey, this is great. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for the info. And we'll do this again soon. Appreciate the time. Not a problem, Gary. Go Mariners. Uh, you know, obviously a big race still to, to come. A lot of teams left to jump, but uh, hopefully they can take advantage of this homestand. See you later.